unexplained deaths and mysteries with Deborah Davis. Hi and welcome back everybody. This is where we left things last week. We were chatting about the staircase and you may have seen this on Netflix and Sky. It's a well-known case. So something that Ian and I particularly wanted to get our teeth into and discuss. So Michael might possibly be lying about about the death of Kathleen. That he he may have brutally murdered her uh, with that absolutely horrific scene with that uh, massive amount of blood, and and yet and yet the evidence is there staring everybody in the face as to what really happened. And again, I'm going to say if he had a brutally murdered her to result in that blood that was literally, there was literally pints of blood all over the show. I just wonder how he managed to do that without getting it all over his top. I looked after Matthew's newborn, Matthew and Liv's newborn little baby yesterday all day and managed to get absolutely covered in milk and God knows what, you know, I mean, this, it doesn't even, the evidence wasn't there. So they had to look for everything else to try and make it fit. Oh, he was contacting men. She found out. Therefore, he couldn't have that. The evidence was not there. He wasn't covered in blood. I think, I think the difference in terms of um, the manner in which the US cops get admissions or, or, or carry out their interviews they're far more intrusive and accusatorial in their methodologies than we are um, in the UK but it's quite interesting that even when the first um, murder conviction was called into doubt US prosecutors still felt they had a very persuasive case hence the the Alford plea but he did that rather than face another trial, rather than go put everybody else as well as himself through another trial. And that, I think, was partly, again, him considering um, her own daughter and also his own kids as well. And the fact that his age, when you take that into consideration, he could be spending years again at trial and who knows this time who would have appeared to give evidence that was also lying, which what you know is what happened in the first trial that took place. Um, so he makes it very clear why he decided to to jump for the Alford play, as long as and the only reason he stipulated it was the only reason that he would accept that play, um, giving that play if if it, it, there was no admission of guilt because, as he says, he isn't guilty. Skeptics would also say that's his get-out-of-jail card, isn't it, the, the Alford plea? I mean, no one would want to go back and, and, and face life imprisonment in uh, some sort of uh, you know, horrible prison in the US for the rest of his life. But let me just finish off this, this piece of research that I did, which is fascinating in terms of of the ability to lie convincingly. And it's called infantile omnipotence. I've managed to get that out without spitting my teeth out. Um, 
And it's a pretty compelling um, argument um, because we can all naturally and healthily engage with this form of thinking in our formative years. You know, dressing up as a hero, drawing your own make-believe sword of destiny from an imaginary sheath and wearing a Batman suit as I did as a kid. Um, that, that's normal. And in loving environments, this juvenile feeling of supremacy, invincibility and fantasy where the lies are in eagerly accepted um, and often applauded by adoring parents and relations lessens as childhood engages with the broader and inclusive behavioural characteristics of honesty, integrity and accountability. However, in traumatic childhoods devoid of care and compassion where culpability is really sought or enforced, the state of mind continues to develop to become a primary personality trait. In adult, this syndrome is narcissism. Narcissists are manipulative, sinister, and self-absorbed. Although they genuinely believe they are far too clever to be He's found out. He's not a narcissist, though, is he? Go on then. Why is he not a narcissist? Ah, Why is ah, he a narcissist? I don't, right, I'm, I'm is, asking you, you. You haven't I'm actually you. seen the whole of the Netflix series. So if if you did, you would see he doesn't display even one of the narcissistic tendencies at all. He was followed around with cameras, raw footage for years, for years. And there is not one display of narcissism at all, not one. But what is very interesting is how the owl theory came about. The owl theory came about when one of his neighbours, I don't know if you've seen the aerial footage of Michael and Kathleen's house, uh, where it is. And one of the neighbours actually came forward. It was too late, though, to be included at trial, unfortunately. It was, it was just right at the end of the trial. One of the neighbours came about to say that um, there are barred owls in the vicinity and they are known to be aggressive. You know, they can be aggressive when they're protecting their nests or their young, etc. And... That was really actually quite interesting because it does explain a lot, really. The thing is, though, the thing is, I don't think I don't think it was a barred owl. I do think that it was an owl that did this. I really do. But it wasn't. I don't believe it was a barred owl. The great horned owl is the most dangerous owl on the planet. And. The great horned owl has also already been responsible for one or more human deaths. It's up there in the top list of the most dangerous birds on the planet. Now, the barred owl really likes swampy environments. That's its favourite kind of environment. Floodland, you know, swamps, that kind of thing. But they will... They will, if they can't get around a swampy area, they will be okay, you know, still breeding and nesting, etc., in some wooded areas. But that's their favourite area. Whereas the great horned owl is different. That doesn't really favour swamps. And interestingly enough, the, the great horned owl, there are many of them in Durham, in North Carolina, now, if you see the injuries that have been inflicted onto a human being by the great horned owl, the injuries that you see on the back of Kathleen's head, they're very similar, similar sorry, to some documented 
images of people having been attacked by a great horned owl. The long talon-like claw marks that, that are there on the back of her head, where her head was split open and bled profusely. And yet, her skull wasn't fractured. Well, I'm not surprised because the great horned owl landing on your head is capable of inflicting just those injuries, exactly those injuries, without fracturing your skull. The thing is, what I find baffling is, if Kathleen was murdered by Michael, what I find baffling is that in both of her hands, she had many, many hairs, I think was it 38 hairs in one hand, that were pulled out from the root of her head in both hands. That was found at post-mortem. Now, why has she pulled her hair out at the root? And they know it was at the root because the hair contained the root on it, each of the hairs. Um, and mixed in with the hairs in both of her hands were microscopic owl feathers. There were some droplets of blood found at the entrance to the house, at the front of the house. And this is the 9th of December. The speculation over whether or not she had decided that night to maybe pop some reindeers that she had outside, you know, for part of the Christmas decorations that she would have been putting up. But for whatever reason, I think she's clearly definitely stepped outside the front of the house for whatever reason. And also, it's interesting to note that there in December is the start of nesting season for the great horned owl. The house, when you look at it from an aerial perspective, is surrounded by thick, thick, dense woodland all the way around the house. And so we've, we're nesting time with the great horned owl. She steps outside. This is like, say it was two o'clock in the morning, say it was half one in the morning or whatever, and she goes outside. It's early nesting time and they will protect and viciously attack anything that goes near their nests or where they are nesting. So if that owl came down and attacked her, this is how vicious they are. When they attack, they attack to kill. That's one thing. And they wait for the victim to die before they begin eating it. So if that owl attacked her outside and she ran inside, it really does explain the fact that she was grabbing at her head um, and out came her hair at the root. I don't really think, if somebody was hitting me over the head with a blow poke, for instance, which we all know featured very heavily in the trial, with a blow poke, I don't think I'd be pulling my hair out. I wouldn't be pulling my hair out. Because if something strikes you, it strikes you, it's hit you, you're not then going to pull your hair out. It doesn't make sense. And this is, this is the thing, though. This is the thing as well with the whole judicial system in all countries and the police, I have to say, which is it's all about actual evidence that's there on a plate in front of you. 
There is no room for, look, this does not make sense, you know? Somebody's hitting me over the head with a blow poke, I'll pull my hair out. It doesn't make sense at all, whatsoever. And, and, on her body, in situ, at, at the scene of her death, there was an owl feather on her body. Also, everybody wondered why some of the blood that had clearly, obviously, splattered up the wall appeared to have been wiped or, you know, as though somebody had gone over it maybe with a cloth in some kind of clean-up attempt. Well, what if it wasn't? What if that was the wing of the owl brushing up against the wall? And that's why it appeared to have been wiped because they have pretty big wings. So that's perfectly possible, really. And the other thing is the little marks on her face are perfectly consistent with a beak. Just thought I'd add that one in. Unexplained deaths and mysteries with Deborah Davis. Okay, um, I'm familiar with the the owl theory, and and, and I just want to sort of unpick that um, uh, some more. You're absolutely right. There was the new theory brought forward in 2019. That was from the neighbour of the Pattersons, the Durham attorney uh, T. Lawrence Pollard, um, and the claim, as you say, was based on the discovery of a microscopic owl feather and a wooden sliver from a tree limb entangled in the clumps of hair that you've mentioned there. And I have to agree that in terms of when we look at um, the typical reaction to a, a an assault and battery is defensive. Yeah, I've, I've never ever come across somebody whose first, um, you know, presumption is to, is to, you know, pull their hair out. Um, I have to say, though, that that, that theory was, was, was widely uh, dismissed in some quarters. But it takes me back to one of our previous podcasts, Remember when we spoke to Chris and he said that they would have a working hypothesis of how a murder occurred, and we had the uh, the UFO debate, and he said if I'd gone to his if he'd gone to his bosses and said, Governor, I I think it was a UFO, he'd been laughed out of the um, out of the room, and I wonder whether if anyone ever came up with a hypothesis that the owl did it, then they would be laughed out the um, office as well. It came in too late at trial. It was thought of too late. It was it was too late to have been admitted as um, a possibility, apparently. But you've got the fact that Michael didn't have any any the amount of blood on him that he should have had had he committed that you know heinous crime, and and I know you say the owl theory was dismissed. I'd like to know on what basis it was dismissed because they there were microscopic owl feathers within her hair that were in both hands and there was an owl feather on her body and the fact is that the great horned owl which has never been mentioned to my knowledge but that's what I'm saying was responsible not a barred owl um they they are in that area there they are there in that locality and most dangerous owl on the planet and yes have killed humans before so it fully explains what happened to her I mean, she would barely be able to see. It's the first thing you do is close your eyes if you're being attacked by a ginormous bird on your head. So not having your eyes open, possibly, and you've got that 
digging its claws that deep that it actually split the the cuts on her head were like I don't know about an inch apart you know one or more of them I mean it's raking at you with its claws and it's pecking down at your face it could have easily took an eye out her eyes would be closed talk about stumbling on stairs she wouldn't have been able to see where she was going probably and yeah blood blood firing out because you imagine the talons on the great horned owl there are I'll quote you something the the power in the talons of a great horned owl are equivalent to a german shepherd dog's bite that's the power and that's official so you imagine if you had like a german shepherd dog viciously biting your head it's not going to fracture your skull probably but it is going to cause an awful lot of damage to the skin there etc yeah you're going to be trying to get it off obviously put your hands up but I dare say that that would probably hurt as well because you know if it pecked your hand or whatever you know that's that's really going to hurt but she's not going to be able to see where she's going talk about stumbling there was a lot in that trial about well if she came down the stairs and she fell this way she could only then have fallen that way as well um you know, realistically, if you're walking up the stairs and you trip, you can only really fall this way, that way. Well, if you've got a great horned owl on your head and your eyes are shut, you're going to be all over the show. And so is that blood. And no wonder there was no evidence of blood splatter on the ceiling, etc., from any large blows to her head. Because it wasn't a blow to her head. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was claws, talons from a great horned owl, in my opinion. And I would like to know, did they do DNA on those owl feathers? <laughs> the evidence that I've seen, or, or the information, because as I said uh, at the start of this uh, discussion, that uh, I'm only as good as the reliable information I've been able to read. There was a an assertion that um, the owl feather because uh, uh, it was microscopic could have come from bedding um, that was one of the bedding, um, bedding. mixed in with her own pull it, pulling her own hair out. please now this is beyond the realms of possibility this is absolutely that, that I'm just gobsmacked so in the middle of being bludgeoned to death you know somehow she had uh, decided to whip upstairs and take a take, change a bed I mean that's just like yeah right okay I I, th I think, Debbie, they were suggesting that was possibly there before oh. she did that. All I'm saying is that's what the information says. So 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 don't metaphorically beat me across the head there. But you look, don't have owl down pillows, do you? Uh, not in my house, no. But but that was one of the assertions made, and perhaps that's why this uh, issue didn't get much traction at the courts. But let's just look at the courts for the moment, in the same way as as, as in the UK. It didn't go to court. It wasn't submitted to court, Ian. That's why it didn't get any traction at court. No, no, I know it wasn't, but I'm talking about the actual, yeah. But what I'm talking about now is the decisions of the courts, yeah? The ultimate decision of the courts, whether they're, they're right the or wrong owl in your wasn't opinion. Submitted both US to the and court. UK courts. The owl wasn't submitted. 
Yeah, I, I know, I know. But the, the courts still made a decision in terms of accepting the Alford case. And what I'm about to suggest is that it's not an exact science. The US and UK worked the principle of beyond all reasonable doubt. And I guess that would be something around 95% certainty. So there's always that, that 5% uncertainty. But what I'd like to do is just summarise, okay, and then I want to ask you, in your opinion, how Kathleen met her death, the, the sequence. But let me just um, summarise. You're saying that you do not believe that Elizabeth Ratcliffe was killed. That was an accident. You don't believe that the exhumed body uh, later on in, in, in Texas, many years later, which suggests it was homicide, you, you're, you're not buying that either. So in terms of that death, Michael is completely innocent in, in your opinion. Unexplained deaths and mysteries with Deborah Davis. Can I just say, though, that regarding that first death there of Elizabeth, the, there was um, a drawing that was done by uh, one of the coroners at post-mortem who drew the lines of where the, the cuts were on her, you know, on her head from when she fell down the stairs uh, on Elizabeth. Um, I did see another coroner actually looking at the post-mortem photographs and of that drawing and he said straight away that the lines because it has been said that the 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 lines on on the back of Kathleen's head and the back of Elizabeth's head were very similar in terms of injuries inflicted they weren't because this other coroner that looked at the crime scene photographs and looked at the drawing that was done by the coroner said, this drawing is not accurate. The lines are actually completely in a different place. The stairs, though, that Elizabeth fell down are seriously, you know, scary-looking stairs to me, honestly. You just have to Google it to have a look at them. I mean, yeah, accident waiting to happen. Well, the, I mean, the, 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 the stairs where Kathleen was found. No, nothing like, nothing like. The stairs that... But, but, but they were wooden, weren't they? The stairs, the stairs that Elizabeth fell down were almost like, you know, the suspended in air stairs <laughs> with the gaps in, with no handrails, nothing, just, just literally really quite scary stairs. And then with Kathleen, obviously, this was there was a wall either side and there was a handrail and the stairs were boxed in stairs. They were fairly steep, but not, you know. But 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 non but nonetheless, both stairs were were, were rigid. If you'd hit your head against either of them, you could have uh, suffered serious injury. I want to know now then, talk me through, okay, how you believe Kathleen what happened after this owl attack, Kathleen? Then, what what was the next process? How, how did she meet her death? Then, let's let's have that timeline, please. I actually feel that with Kathleen, I do feel that there were some issues within the marriage, definitely from her perspective. Um, but I I feel that she was the kind of person that wanted to just focus on Christmas and getting, you know, everything like having a nice family time. Do you know what I mean? regarding Christmas, inside her mindset. Um, so what I see with her is that she has gone outside there at the front. I see that she's being attacked by a great horned owl and she's run back in 
And in some effort to get this thing off her for some reason, whether, I don't know what she was attempting to go upstairs for, maybe in the hope that it would just disappear because that's actually quite an enclosed small space. I've no idea why, but when she's gone to that stair area there, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's attacked her. She's not been able to see where she's going because she's got her eyes shut. And obviously she's stumbling about all over the place on very steep stairs and can't see where she's going with a great horned owl, which is one of the most seriously aggressive, well, the most seriously aggressive owl in the world. So I feel that she's fallen all over the place. This is what they said in the trial about the fact that um, it didn't fit with a fall down the stairs because they were saying at the trial, well, even if she fell and she tried to get up and slipped on the blood and fell again, it still wouldn't account for this and that. Having a great horned owl stuck on your head does account for flailing around all over the place in an attempt to get up the stairs. Yeah, it does. Seriously. That's why it didn't fit with a fall down the stairs because it wasn't just a fall down the stairs. It was a great horned owl stuck to her head. What I find fascinating, uh, based on the number of times you've had a right old pop at me uh, during I this podcast, not. is I when we not. were looking at Jack the Ripper, <laughs> you have, uh, my, my mum listens to this, um, when, we, when, we, when we covered Jack the Ripper, you were having visions of the victims and, and, and the offender. But what I'm picking up on this time, there's none of that from you, that your belief is is that, that, that well, in, in terms of, of Kathleen, she is not saying to you that this is suspicious. This is, this is an accident, yeah? I knew from the moment that I started watching Michael, I knew that everything that was being given to me was innocent, 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 innocent. And and if you want my absolute true belief, it is that both Kathleen and Elizabeth do not want his name sullied forevermore with the fact that he's supposedly a murderer because he isn't. He isn't a murderer. Put him on a lie detector, do whatever. He's not a murderer. He's not murdered anybody. Don't start me on lie detectors. They're about as uh, accurate as flipping a coin. Um, I come from... Remember, I've been indoctrinated since I was about 18 when I, when I joined the police. My, my indoctrination is I, 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 I have faith. I have faith in the criminal justice system. And I have to say that when I looked into this case, uh, and I remember sending you a text, and I was very adamant. And I have to say that I've not changed my mind. I believe in the criminal justice system. I believe that it is beyond all reasonable doubt to believe that he knew someone that, that died in very similar circumstances. The exhumed body suggested that there had been a murder. And I believe the circumstances are consistent with a manslaughter conviction. So you and I will disagree um, on this occasion. But uh, does it matter well, what I think? You're totally um, discounting um, what Michael... Peterson's first wife said about him character-wise and you're totally discounting 
the fact that at the time that Elizabeth died, her death was ruled as being a fall due to a hemorrhage. You're totally discounting that as well. Don't speak, I'm speaking. You're totally discounting that completely. <laughs> and then you're discounting the fact that Michael hardly had any blood on him at all. And we did actually see him hug, hug Kathleen's dead body before before she was taken away, when she was still laying situ on the floor. So, of course, he will have had some blood on him from that. But you're totally discounting all that. And you're discounting the fact she had roots of her hair pulled out in her hands with owl feathers and an owl feather on her body. And the fact that the great horned owl lives around where her gaff was. So you're discounting all of that. And this is what annoys me about the justice, so-called justice system. Because it's not, it's just, it's not, no, we'll just ignore that. No, 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 he's guilty. Hang him. Thank God we don't have hanging anymore. <laughs> have you come up for air now? Can I get a word in edgeways? Yeah. Okay. If you're going to, if you're going to quote me, quote me right. I didn't say that. I didn't say I'm dismissing it. If I was dismissing it, I'd have sat here with my fingers <laughs> in my ears and you can see me and that's not the case. I am just applying the legal test on this occasion, the balance of probabilities. And that's what I call the 51% rule. And I think that taking all the evidence together, not dismissing any of it, I am more minded to say on the balance of probabilities, it's more likely than not that Michael was responsible. And that is vindicated by the conviction for manslaughter in my professional professional opinion. Listen, we haven't got to agree with each other all of the time, all right? So give me a break, but that's what I think. Well, you know, I, I did jury service and I remember sitting there and being told, you know, beyond reasonable doubt. You can only, you know, convict beyond reasonable doubt. Um, I don't see that there is any evidence to show that Michael... Um, murdered anybody to be honest with you there's no evidence of it whatsoever at all none they couldn't even reenact with the blow poke thing they they couldn't even create the same kind of injuries with it and yet uh, you know the owl is yeah finally from me uh where do you see this ending or do you think that michael will be living with this question mark over his his honesty integrity for the rest of his life how how do you is there an end to this no he'd be living with this for the rest of his life because it can never be proven but it also can never be proven that that he killed her there were so many mistakes made in his first trial the lies that were told that formed the biggest part of evidence i mean this is you know it's actually quite scary to think that just because you might be there when somebody falls down a flight of stairs, say Elizabeth, for instance, um, that you could be a, a, accused of the murder. You might not have any blood on you. You might There might not even be a murder weapon. Nothing. You just happen to have been there. But suddenly, you are being accused of murder. I'm astounded that anybody can be accused of murder without concrete evidence. I'm satisfied in, in, in the UK that, uh, listen, I'll acknowledge there are miscarriages of justice, but there are significant appeal processes. So I don't, I'd just like to sort of qualify the fact it's not routine to, uh, you know, just charge someone on a whim. And there have been significant changes, certainly since I've left the police, in terms of who makes those decisions. So I still have faith in the criminal justice system, but on this occasion, Deborah, I think we disagree. But I hope we're still chums. <laughs> 
Yeah, we definitely disagree. <laughs> the owl, definitely, but not a barred owl. It was a great, great horned owl, I think, in my personal opinion. Good. Well, I think we've reached another fascinating conclusion. I think that the real the litmus test will be the feedback. I know we got we've had some tremendous feedback from the other cases, but I'd be just so interested to see what other people's take on this and indeed if there's another theory outside of the conclusions that we've reached so uh, i'll hand back to you debbie to uh, to bring things to an end well thank you everybody for listening please let us know your thoughts obviously this is a very complicated case but it's been it's been really interesting to sit and actually discuss it even though it does drive me bananas sometimes that anybody can think somebody can be guilty when there isn't actual firm evidence of it gosh scary isn't it to think that you know you could be accused of something one day that you've really not done anyway off we go and we will be back next week with yet another very interesting case for you take care everyone goodbye